0: Section nine of A Book of Sibyls by Anne Thackeray Ritchie. The Sleepervox recording is in the public domain. Miss Edgeworth, part two. No sketch of Maria Edgeworth's life, however slight, would be complete without a few words about certain persons coming a generation before her, and belonging still to the age of periwigs, who were her father's associates and her own earliest friends notwithstanding all that has been said of mr edgeworth's bewildering versatility of nature he seems to have been singularly faithful in his friendships he might take up new ties but he clung pertinaciously to those which had once existed his daughter inherited that same steadiness of affection in his life of erasmus darwin his grandfather mr charles darwin writing of these very people has said there is, perhaps, no safer test of a man's real character than that of his long-continued friendship with good and able men. He then goes on to quote an instance of a long-continued affection and intimacy, only broken by death, between a certain set of distinguished friends, giving the names of Care, Day, Small, Bolton, Watt, Wedgwood, and Darwin, and adding to them the names of Edgeworth himself and of the Galtons mr edgeworth first came to litchfield to make dr darwin's acquaintance his second visit was to his friend mr day the author of sandford and merton who had taken a house in the valley of Stowe and who invited him one christmas on a visit about the year seventeen sixty five says miss seward came to litchfield from the neighborhood of reading the young and gay philosopher mr edgeworth a man of fortune and recently married to a miss ellers of oxfordshire the fame of dr darwin's various talents allured mr e to the city they graced and the lady goes on to describe mr edgeworth himself scarcely two-and-twenty with an exterior yet more juvenile having mathematic science mechanic ingenuity and a competent portion of classical learning with the possession of the modern languages he danced he fenced he winged his arrows with more than philosophic skill continues the lady herself a person of no little celebrity in her time and place. Mr. Edgeworth, in his memoirs, pays a respectful tribute to Miss Seward's charms, to her agreeable conversation, her beauty, her flowing tresses, her sprightliness and address. Such moderate expressions fail, however, to do justice to this lady's powers, to her enthusiasm, her poetry, her partisanship the portrait prefixed to her letters is that of a dignified person with an oval face and dark eyes the thick brown tresses are twined with pearls her graceful figure is robed in the softest furs and draperies of the period in her very first letter she thus poetically describes her surroundings the autumnal glory of this day puts to shame the summer's sullenness i sit writing upon this dear green terrace feeding at intervals my little golden-breasted songsters the embosomed vale of Stowe glows sunny through the claude lorraine tint which is spread over the scene like the blue mist over a plum in this claude lorraine plum-tinted valley stood the house which mr day had taken and where mr edgeworth had come on an eventful visit miss Seward herself lived with her parents in the bishop's palace at lichfield there was also a younger sister miss sally who died as a girl and another very beautiful young lady their friend by name honora sneed placed under mrs seward's care she was the heroine of major andr's unhappy romance he too lived at Litchfield with his mother and his hopeless love gives a tragic reality to this bygone holiday of youth and merry-making as one reads the old letters and memoirs the echoes of laughter reach us one can almost see the young folks all coming together out of the cathedral close where so much of their time was passed the beautiful honora surrounded by friends and adorers chaperoned by the graceful muse her senior also much admired and much made of thomas day is perhaps striding after them in silence with keen critical glances his long black locks flow unpowdered down his back in contrast to him comes his brilliant and dressy companion mr edgeworth who talks so agreeably i can imagine little sabrina day's adopted foundling of whom so many stories have been told following shyly at her guardian's side in her simple dress and childish beauty and andre's young handsome face turned towards miss sneed so they pass on happy and contented in each other's company honora in the midst beautiful stately reserved she too was one of those not destined to be old miss seward seems to have loved this friend with a very sincere and admiring affection and to have bitterly mourned her early death her letters abound in apostrophes to the lost honora but perhaps the poor muse expected almost too much from friendship too much from life she expected as we all do at times that her friends should be not themselves but her that they should lead not their lives but her own so much at least one may gather from the various phases of her style and correspondence and her complaints of honora's estrangement and subsequent coldness perhaps also miss seward's many vagaries and sentiments may have frozen honora's sympathies miss seward was all asterisks and notes of exclamation honora seems to have forced feeling down to its most scrupulous expression she never lived to be softened by experience to suit herself to others by degrees with great love she also inspired awe and a sort of surprise one can imagine her pointing the moral of the purple jar as it was told long afterwards by her stepdaughter then a little girl playing at her own mother's knee in her nursery by the river people in the days of shilling postage were better correspondents than they are now when we have to be content with pennyworths of news and of affectionate intercourse their descriptions and many details bring all the chief characters vividly before us and carry us into the hearts and the pocket-books of the little society at lichfield as it then was the town must have been an agreeable sojourn in those days for people of some pretension and small performance the inhabitants of lichfield seem actually to have read each other's verses and having done so to have taken the trouble to sit down and write out their raptures they were a pleasant lively company living round about the old cathedral towers meeting in the close or the adjacent gardens or the hospitable palace itself here the company would sip tea talk mild literature of their own and good criticism at second-hand quoting dr johnson to one another with the familiarity of townsfolk from erasmus darwin too they must have gained something of vigor and originality with all her absurdities miss seward had some real critical power and appreciation and some of her lines are very pretty an ode to the sun is only what might have been expected from this lichfield her best-known productions are an elegy on captain cook a monody on major Andre, whom she had known from her early youth and there is a poem louisa of which she herself speaks very highly but even more than her poetry did she pique herself upon her epistolary correspondence it must have been well worth while reading letters when they were not only prized by the writer and the recipients but commented on by their friends in after years court Dews esquire writes after five years for copies of miss seward's epistles to miss rogers and miss weston of which the latter begins soothing and welcome to me dear sophia is the regret you express for our separation pleasant were the weeks we have recently passed together in this ancient and embowered mansion i had strongly felt the silence and vacancy of the depriving day on which you vanished how prone are our hearts perversely to quarrel with the friendly coercion of employment at the very instant in which it is clearing the torpid and injurious mists of unavailing melancholy then follows a sprightly attack before which johnson may have quailed indeed is the fifa fum of literature that snuffs afar the fame of his brother authors and thirsts for its destruction to be allowed to gallop unmolested over the fields of criticism a few pebbles from the well-springs of truth and eloquence are all that is wanted to bring the might of his envy low this celebrated letter which may stand as a specimen of the whole six volumes concludes with the following apostrophe virtuous friendship how pure how sacred are thy delights sophia thy mind is capable of tasting them in all their poignance against how many of life's incidents may that capacity be considered as a counterpoise there were constant rubs which are not to be wondered at between miss seward and dr darwin who though a poet was also a singularly witty downright man outspoken and humorous the lady admires his genius bitterly resents his sarcasm of his celebrated work the botanic garden she says it is a string of poetic brilliance, and they are of the first water but the eye will be apt to want the interstitial black velvet to give effect to their lustre in later days notwithstanding her elegant language as mr charles darwin calls it she said several spiteful things of her old friend but they seem more prompted by private pique than malice if miss seward was the minerva and dr darwin the jupiter of the litchfield society its philosopher was thomas day of whom miss seward's description is so good that i cannot help one more quotation powder and fine clothes were at that time the appendages of gentlemen mr day wore not either he was tall and stooped in the shoulders full-made but not corpulent and in his meditative and melancholy air a degree of awkwardness and dignity were blended she then compares him with his guest mr edgeworth less graceful less amusing less brilliant than mr e but more highly imaginative more classical and a deeper reasoner strict integrity energetic friendship open-handed generosity and diffusive charity greatly overbalanced on the side of virtue the tincture of misanthropic gloom and proud contempt of common life society Wright of Derby painted a full-length picture of Mr. Day in 1770. Mr. Day looks upward enthusiastically, meditating on the contents of a book held in his dropped right hand. A flash of lightning plays in his hair and illuminates the contents of the volume. Dr. Darwin, adds Miss Seward, sat to Mr. Wright about the same period. That was simply a contemplative portrait of the most perfect resemblance. End of section 9